It's the bubble episode five point five. Uh, we we didn't record an episode last week, Mike. I recorded an episode. Mike, however, did record an episode that you should go well, listen I to. Recorded a podcast. It it wasn't under the label the bubble. Mike, go listen to Mike's uh, Frederick Douglass pod. Uh, give give the people a little bit of a uh, explain it a little bit. So last Sunday, I wrote a story about Frederick Douglass um, as honoring his 200th birthday. And really, I wanted to look into why there aren't more monuments and such uh, dedicated to really the most notable person who's ever lived in New Bedford, Frederick Douglass. Right. So go go give that a listen. We'll link it um, in the description to this episode. And as for the actual episode that we're going to be recording today, um, we're going to be unpacking marijuana in the area. Uh, not actually unpacking it in our studio, but discussing the issue as a whole. Um, we talked to Ian Abreu, who, Mike, what is the, what commit, we struggle with this committee name. <laughs> it's the Licensing and Zoning for Cannabis Committee. Right. So Ian is the head of that. And then we also talked to Tim Keogh, who is the president of the board at Basque, which as of yesterday, being Thursday, uh, Basque is the first open medical marijuana dispensary in the South Coast. So, um, And for New Bedford's aspect to it, a couple weeks ago, the city council voted on a moratorium. To, that would go until September, and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, when we get them on here. But basically, it goes until September 30th of this year, which would be the max, basically, so they can just outline their um, zoning and such. Right. Uh, it was passed in the council, but it needs to have a second reading. Um, so not. it was passed for a second reading, uh, and it has pretty good momentum going forward, so it will be heard in the next city council meeting, and I would, I would be, I guess, surprised if it wasn't passed. Right. So um, I've been doing quite a bit of reporting on uh, marijuana in the past couple of weeks. And the zoning issues that both Ian and Tim will touch on a little bit are um, some of the more difficult to unpack um, issues regarding marijuana. So um, it was nice to get to hear what they had to say, um, sort of an explainer crash course. And I think I'm finally starting to figure it out after two weeks of reporting on it. That's good. So. At least you're learning, right? <laughs> right. So... Um, Without further ado, we will uh, we'll get to Ian first. And as promised, we're here with uh, Ian Abreu, Counselor at Large, and also the Chair on the Special Committee on Zoning and Ordinance of Cannabis. I finally got that right. I had to write it down, <laughs> and I, I, I always feel bad because I always butcher that title, but Ian, thanks so much for joining us. It's my pleasure to be here, Mike. Thank you for having me. So... Last weekend, or last week, last week, uh, the city council had an ordinance in front of them on the moratorium that would go through September. If you could kind of delve into that, and I know we talked about it a little bit uh, during this after the city council meeting, but why is it so important that this moratorium happens? So a couple of things I think we have to get started with. Um, uh, me of all people, I'm very aware and cognizant that our city voted in very large numbers. It was a mandate uh, two Novembers ago uh, to legalize cannabis in our city and in our state. 58% of New Bedford, uh, just about there, voted to uh, legalize recreational cannabis. Uh, 33 out of 36 voting precincts in New Bedford voted yes in the affirmative to uh, legalizing recreational cannabis. But then, of course, once that happened, uh, it then went into the hands 
of the state senate and the state legislature. Then we had the joint committee, and they were trying to hash out their rules and regulations. We know how all of that kind of turned out. And finally, the governor uh, signed it into law, and we ratified it uh, at the state level about, a, about seven, eight months ago. But once that happened, as we all know, we have the Cannabis Control Commission that uh, has been tasked with overseeing some of the rules and regulations of zoning and measures and where these shops can go and the kinds of shops. And uh, we saw those draft regulations come down uh, in December, right during the height of Hanukkah and Christmas on a Friday at four o'clock in the afternoon. The state house released those rules and regs from the the CCC, the Cannabis Control Commission, and that's where we talked about not only the pot shops but the the mixed use retail spaces with the um, with the bars and the restaurants the home delivery services the cultivation facilities the the testing facilities and and so forth and so on so those were draft regulations right so those weren't final so those were kind of like a, a draft mock-up the problem is is that the state legislature in enacting the law and then working with the Cannabis Control Commission, they determined that April 1st would be the very first date where uh, applicants for recreational dispensaries or applications to get involved in the recreational cannabis business could begin to apply for a licensure through the Department of Public Health at the state level. Well, the final release, as the way it was planned out, of the final regulations by the Cannabis Control Commission was for March 15th. So you look at March 15th to April 1st. That is 11 business days. And, and Mike, you've been covering our meetings long enough to know that 11 business days is absolutely nothing when it comes to getting the final drafts or the final regs from the state, getting it before a committee or getting it before the entire body, looking at it, developing your own plan, your own initiatives, and your own zoning and ordinances based off what the state has, uh, has put in place, and then have to mark it up on your end, ratify it, put it into a vote, send it over to the mayor, have your mayor of your city in town, uh, then sign that into law. It's absolutely mathematically impossible for 11 days for that to happen. So the moratorium that was put in place that ICE actually supported last week just puts the pause button and says, look, we have some time. Let us give us a couple of more months to hash this out now that the final rules and regs are going to be released. Give us the appropriate time to work in the committee, work with the solicitor's office, work with the mayor, work with our health department, work with our police chief. All these individuals have a seat at the table. Working together, being bipartisan, crossing the aisle, working interdepartmentally, and that's the best way to do this. We're not going to, work, we're not going to accomplish uh, the real robust uh, type of uh, uh, cannabis regulations and zoning that, we can, uh, that the industry deserves to thrive if we work in silos. We all have to work together, uh, and that's the purpose of this. Let's just take a breather. Let's figure it out. And so uh, for the people listening, when will that moratorium last until? Well, the mayor's calling for the moratorium to last until September. However, uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, I can almost promise that. Uh, it shouldn't last until September. I don't think it's going to. Um, the hope is, is that we could have this buttoned up and hopefully ratified by the beginning of the summer. I'm hoping and I'm hopeful. So we're looking at a May or a June. But again, that's all up to the will of the committee, the solicitors, the mayor's office. My ambitions and my goals and what I think might be realistic, somebody else might think is not realistic. But 
I don't think that September uh, is going to be the mark. I think we're going to figure this out well beforehand because the reality is that there's a lot of revenue to be had in this industry, and we need to get out in front of it. And so that includes, um, you think by, you said May or June, correct, that like uh, the zoning bylaws that need to be put in place for the recreational shops or the test facilities or things like correct. that. You think the city can get through those issues quick enough to have them ready by the summer? Well, I'd hope so. Um, you know... In a lot of cities and towns, they have the residential zones, and I don't want to get too wonky on the uh, on the zoning stuff, but right. a lot of cities and towns have residential, and then they'll have commercial and industrial. Well, in New Bedford, we don't have just strictly commercial. We have mixed-use business right. districts, MUPs. So the issue that we run into is that we have residents who live nearby and in these mixed-use business districts. Some of them might not want cannabis-related cafes or shops in their neighborhood, and their voices have to be heard as well, but they also have to recognize that the majority rules and the majority voted for this. So, you know, we're trying to thread a very fine needle here. There's a way to make this work for everybody. Um, not everyone is going to be happy at the end of the day, but if we can find some middle and common ground to give the voters what they wanted, but also not uh, uh, impede the sanctity of our neighborhoods, I think uh, that's very important as well. Right. And so you, you touched on the financial aspect. And just to sort of put that in perspective for people listening, um, Colorado legalized recreational uh, marijuana in January of 2014. From January of 14 until May of 2017, uh, the state received $506 million in tax revenue from recreational marijuana. So putting that into perspective and sort of looking at through it, looking through the scope into New Bedford, um, what sort of models in terms of tax revenues do you see the city implementing? Like in Colorado, some of that money, a lot of that money goes to schools, things like that. Has the city discussed those types of things? So uh, that'll have to be discussions with the mayor's office and my colleagues on the council, but I will tell you, um, the way the laws are governed right now on certain taxations uh, in, in our state, we couldn't just earmark it blatantly, uh, marijuana revenue towards public safety or for schools. The way it would be set up right now is it would be dumped into the general fund. I don't want it to go into the general fund because it goes into the general fund and it's gone. Poof, in the wind, it's lost. So we would have to put forth what we would call, and uh, you know, uh, Mike who's covered us for a while would know this term, a home rule petition at the state where we would lobby the governor, lobby our legislature and Senate and say, look, we're looking to earmark revenues from cannabis into X, Y, and Z. Is it impossible? No, I think it can be done, but we have to have that dialogue. Um, so not only are you looking at you know the obvious the obvious uh, direct financial impacts of uh, commercial property tax paying for for cannabis business, the jobs that you create as as a result, the local procurement. Uh, as a result of the jobs, but also you're looking at uh, the way it's mandated uh, every uh, cannabis dispensary or cannabis shop has to enter into a host agreement with that city of town, up to 3% of revenue, gross revenue coming back. On top of that, the city of town can tack on upwards of 2% as an optional sales tax on top of that. So that's 5% additional revenue that the city of New Bedford could be generating back. And when you talk about browning out of fire stations and children in our schools not getting enough supplies that they need or little things like um, our police department, our, our police fleet, we need new radios in all of our cruisers, things like that. But when the budget is so stretched and you can only 
pay for so much. Um, sometimes when you look at the numbers, you say, wow, we can really make some uh, some serious, uh, robust um, uh, changes financially to the landscape of our community. So these are all discussions that have to be had. Right. With those discussions, I'm curious, too, when you have uh, federally marijuana is illegal um, and you have an administration now that is very much backing that, how does that affect how New Bedford and the state goes about with the legalization of recreational marijuana specifically? Well, I can't speak to the state, but I know that obviously Governor Baker has told his attorney general, back off on the recreational marijuana. I want you to concentrate on opiates. Um, But uh, if an individual uh, opens up a cannabis dispensary or a a recreational cannabis um, shop or whatever you want to have in New Bedford or anywhere in the state, they do so understanding that there's some inherent risk, that the DEA under Attorney General Jeff Sessions can swoop in at any time, and they can raid you, and you can be arrested on federal drug drug charges. Is it going to happen? I don't know. I don't know if his bark is bigger than his bite. I'm not interested in personally me. I'm not interested in going toe to toe with the federal government. Um, if Charlie Baker wants to, our governor or our lieutenant governor or the state house wants to, that's up to them. Um, our goal is just to implement what the will of the voters passed, what we ratified at the state level, what the Cannabis Control uh, Commission has released as their final regs, and we'll see what happens. Uh, but um, when you open up a dispensary in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts or in Oregon or in Colorado, or if you already have one open in Colorado or wherever the case may be, you do so knowing, hey, you know, I I could be subject to a federal arrest at any time. So that's really incumbent upon the business owner or owners to understand that fact. And for the record, this doesn't, uh, you know, have anything to do with medicinal. So the Beacon Compassion Center that's going to be opening up on Hathaway Road, they're going to be medicinally focused. Uh, the Attorney General has already said they're not going after medicinal. So those of you who have a medicinal cannabis cart in the New Bedford area, in New Bedford, in the South Coast, you can still go to Beacon Compassion when they break ground later this year and open up at the beginning of next year. This doesn't affect that. This doesn't affect ARL in the industrial park because ARL is going to be obviously manufacturing medicinal cannabis. So this doesn't affect them, but this would affect potentially those who may want to get into recreational. So um, I think we have one last question. Opiates, which you brought up, and then uh, medical marijuana. In the area, it's been uh, there's been a lot made about the opiate abuse that's not only in the South Coast, but Massachusetts and New England regionally as a whole. Um, can you, like you brought up Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions says that marijuana is the gateway to opiate abuse, whereas some people say the use of medical marijuana can actually alleviate, like help with getting off of this opiate dependency. Can you speak to, as a city that sort of had a lot of coverage regarding their opiate overdoses and opiate use, can you maybe speak to? I just, I actually, and I think, Ian, we were at one of the medicinal marijuana meetings where doctors have said that. Right. Uh, so I just wanted to put the, and that's yeah. like some, some people, doctors have Doctor, kind of yeah. questioned Jeff right. Sessions' uh, reasoning there. So, so, I respect our attorney general. I respect all elected officials. I respectfully disagree with his stance that it's a gateway drug. There is, and you can Google, you can look, you can talk to experts. There is absolutely zero evidence that it is a gateway to opiate abuse and to harder drugs. Um, Here's the reality, and this you can Google. The Journal of American Medical Association, JAMA, okay, they recently concluded a five-year study. And in that five-year study, and this was a complete across-the-board, fair and balanced system, 
In their study, they concluded that cities and towns and states, moreover, that had medicinal cannabis dispensaries and outlets for medicinal cannabis consumption for alternative pain management and treatment saw a decrease in opiate-related overdoses by at least 25%. They saw that because, think about it, cannabis is non-addictive. Opiates are Period. End of story. Cannabis has been used in Eastern medicine for centuries, uh, and the the problem with cannabis is that we haven't just we haven't figured out a way federally to wrap our minds around how we can end the prohibition and tax it. I think once we figure that out, and the federal government realizes that a lot of money can be made off of this, I think the prohibition will end. But until we can figure this out. Um, we're going to continue to have these problems. Uh, it's incumbent upon, look, it's incumbent upon our federal senators and Massachusetts, our congressional delegation, our state delegation, and even local uh, city officials. It's incumbent upon all of our, our constituents to lobby and to call us and to tell us we support full recreational cannabis. Please support us. Please lobby. Please speak up. So that's really the issue. Um, you know, the statistics don't lie, and we, we've been struck by opiates here on the South Coast. In, in New Bedford in particular, where I see it as an elected official, I promise when Beacon Compassion opens up eventually at the beginning of next year in New Bedford, I'm going to keep track from that day that they open, and I'll say this on the record right now, Mike Standard Times, any media outlet, I want you to come back to me a year later from when that dispensary opens, and let's look at the statistics together. And let's see what really happened. And I can almost promise you that we're going to see a decrease in the amount of opiate-related overdoses. Now, of course, cannabis isn't the silver bullet. It has to. We need health care reform. We need mental health care reform. This is all part of a bigger discussion. But cannabis is certainly a part of it. Yeah. Well, Ian, I think you just planned our uh, next podcast for a year from now. Very good. <laughs> I'll be back. Right. Well, we appreciate you joining us today and uh, sharing your insights. Take care, gentlemen. My pleasure. My pleasure. And we're here with Tim Keough of Basque. Um, for those of you that don't know and don't read my reporting that I've been doing over the last two weeks, uh, Basque just opened as of 10 a.m. yesterday, being the first medical marijuana dispensary in the South Coast. So, Tim, how are we doing? I'm doing great. Thank you uh, both for having me on. I'm uh, quite happy to be reporting live here from 2 Pequot Road, uh at basque which is uh yeah open today open tomorrow and looks like we'll be open for uh, at least three days a week for the next uh foreseeable future i think we'll be adding days as we uh as we build out uh the team and generate awareness but uh things are things are great on this kind of gray rainy cloudy day here in right and so can you sort of unpack how things went on uh, day one what was was the crowd bigger than expected about uh normal how did things go well, we've been doing uh, by appointment for the last three weeks right. um and so there was some general awareness um about where we were located the website and getting the the team organized we did have a few people that showed up right at 10 o'clock. Um, some were anticipating uh, really long lines. I'm fortunate to say we've been able to move people through here um, at a, a pretty brisk pace, you know, answering questions. And, you know, we do have patient consultants here that are able to sit down with new patients um, and kind of interact in a private setting or 
you know, just facilitate their movement throughout the facility. Um, but we did not uh, have a two mile line down the road. I don't, uh, <laughs> we weren't, we weren't expecting it. So we weren't right. uh, terribly disappointed, but no, it was a, uh, a very, very civilized, calm uh, opening. And, you know, we've obviously saw more patients yesterday than we've seen um, really since opening. So we're, we're happy with the awareness and, you know, being able to provide access here on the South coast. Right. And so, um, we we spoke yesterday with Ian Abreu, who is Mike. What is the the full name? Oh, of the you're committee? gonna put me on it. Yeah, uh, the committee on uh, it's basic. I'm gonna just paraphrase. Yeah, paraphrase it. the committee. The New zoning, Bedford's marijuana zoning uh, committee. Yes. Yeah. Well, zoning right. committee. Yeah. The zoning. Got it. So, um, Tim and I were both at a selectman's meeting on Monday, and zoning bylaws were something that was a big topic of conversation. I thought Tim brought up an interesting point, whereas. Uh, towns are sort of rushing to create bylaws because they think once the April debt or the April opening of applications for uh, recreational dispensaries and um, just various recreational marijuana businesses comes to fruition, towns believe they're going to have a massive influx of applicants and they really need to rush to get their bylaws in. But I thought Tim brought up an interesting point, which was. Generally speaking, business people want a town who has sort of flushed out some of the zoning. So, Tim, um, Ian sort of talked about that and wanting to bring in a lot of businesses as quickly as possible. But can you sort of um, unpack the industry side of that and the thinking behind going into a place that's a little more structured before you want to rush to open doors? Yeah, certainly. So, and, and I'm not sure. I know Fairhaven has a moratorium in place. Right. and. Um, so that I'm not sure what New Bedford has, and, and just to compare the two, right, are two kind of um, uh, towns that share the harbor. Um, Fairhaven, just rolling the clock back. Fairhaven, under medical, established the medical marijuana overlay district. So they went out and created a zone that basically runs from kind of the intersection of Route Six with Alden Road out past our facility um just a little bit down beyond to pequod or pequod road right um and and essentially said within this zone medical marijuana businesses may apply to the planning board through a special permit process uh, for locating and citing a registered marijuana dispensary and so what we did was we designed and what well, we permitted and got a special permit for a cultivation processing and dispensary facility here under the medical marijuana overlay district. Uh, by contrast, uh, New Bedford didn't establish any zoning uh, requirements for um, medical marijuana. Right. They, they kind of left it open and that was a strategy that was interesting because, you know, the towns, you have this option to put this moratorium in that says no one can cite under any by right use within a community or within our community until we establish the zoning bylaws and processes by which we're going to cite these facilities. Uh, New Bedford kind of took the position that we're not even going to, we're not going to put a moratorium in place, but we're also not going to create any zones. We're going to kind of leave it up to the, um, entrepreneurs to suss out where they could go and then have them come into the planning board uh, to get approval or go into the board of selectmen to get approval. Um, and so the, the uncertainty there 
I think was part of their strategy where it wasn't clear what they would allow. And I think that's why part of the reason why New Bedford currently doesn't have a medical marijuana facility. I know they've had a few approved on the retail side, on the cultivation processing side that they've, they've got them out in the industrial park. And I'm not sure the status of their construction progress out there, but right. so these, these moratoriums and zones and, um, you know, from an industry perspective, you know, you're going to look at trying to find a community where you're going to host a facility um, unless you have deep ties to that area, uh, kind of like what our team is, you know, made up of kind of South Coast uh, residents and community members. But if you're going to go and just try and find a town that will allow you to establish a business, you're going to look for um, the path of least resistance. Right. And right. so New Bedford didn't have any path and it was you know, unclear as to where they would allow it or what type of opposition they would face, whether it be from the administration or from the board of selectmen or sorry, the city council in New Bedford, you know, or the planning department. Um, and so that's a kind of broad overview. But yeah, globally, you look to try and find um, some place that has some rules that you say, I'm going to apply by these rules. I'm going to cite in this location. Uh, what's unique to cannabis is, you know, I have to be uh, either 500 or 2,000 feet away from places where children congregate. Um, so daycares, schools, sure. churches, bowling alleys, you know, the, the list is, is um, it's not really set in stone. So it's, it's, there's a lot of interpretation that can happen around that. But right. um, when you put all these pieces together, it really becomes a needle in a stack as it relates to you know, that one building in that one town that has um, a zone in place or a process in place by which you can locate. Uh, and then if that one property has a landlord or a building owner that will actually even entertain the idea of hosting, um, you know, a cannabis business, you know, therein lies the needle. Sure. Tim, uh, you mentioned early on the kind of the education and awareness and outreach process and uh, a lot of information you've already given us, but I'm curious, uh, in the early stages, what were some of the um, the main points that you had to either make people aware of or educate in, uh, in some cases, I'm assuming, debunk? What were some of the main things that you, were there themes that kind of kept recurring? You know, I, I yes, the fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. right? And, and. So what does a marijuana cultivation processing or dispensary facility mean for my town, my neighborhood, my community, my region? Um, four years ago, we didn't have examples to point to. We did have Rhode Island had a couple of facilities. Um, you know, they've, they've got three dispensaries in, the, in Rhode Island. Maine has a handful of dispensaries. Uh, but that was, that was some of the biggest hurdles was just kind of educating people on like what what it actually means um and and without really knowing i think there's a general there was at least a sense of uneasiness around hosting a facility and so you had a lot of towns that you know worked really hard and aggressively to you know throw up moratoriums or block these facilities out uh, without really fully understanding what what a cannabis business means within a within a community or a town um and i would i would put dollar for dollar um, against, you know, the general awareness of our facility in Fairhaven, you know, people drive by it, um, pretty regularly. There's a pretty busy road out here in Alden road. 
and how many people really actually know what's happening within this facility. I mean, the fact that we've been cultivating cannabis in this building since July um, probably, you know, is, is not really well no- that well known within the community. It's not like this this big um, big issue or big impact on the community or you know our neighbors uh, or certainly from the road. And now that we've been open for, you know, by appointment for a couple of weeks and the fact that we were open yesterday, you know, that there really isn't a big impact, certainly not from a negative standpoint, at least in our eyes, um, of hosting facilities that one, particularly on the medical side, are providing access to patients in the community. Um, and two, on a larger piece, as it relates to rec and adult use, um, you know, that can be really driving tax revenue back towards the town um, with very little impact. We call it kind of the, the quiet success over here at Pequod Road, you know, and, and liken it to the, the solar uh, panels on the backside of the hill across the street. You know, they, they just provide benefit to the town without really having any uh, real negative impact. Right. And so um, initially you brought up the sense that one of the hurdles you had to get over was um, sort of, what people thought this would mean for their communities. So given that Basque has been open by appointment for the past couple of weeks and now the first two days of the official opening, what have um, pe- what is the general consensus of people who have been coming in? Um, what does it mean to them to have a medical facility in their community in the South Coast? Yeah, no, I think, you know, the number one um, comment that, you know, we overhear from patients visiting here. And, and, you know, the medical program has been uh, in play in Massachusetts now for the better part of getting on two years. Uh, The first, I think the first dispensaries opened, first dispensary opened in June of 15. So, um, oh yeah, over over two years. So 45,000 medical patients in the Commonwealth. Um, They don't segment it by geographic region, but, you know, it's fair to say that there's a pretty strong patient population down here on the South Coast. Uh, those patients have been having to drive to Bridgewater or Brockton um, for, you know, the last couple of years. And so there's a sense of relief that, like, you know, now there's a safe, dignified location within Fairhaven that I can access medicine. You know, I don't have to commit an hour and a half of driving up to um, Bridgewater or Brockton to um, access uh, cannabis in a in a safe, legal, compliant manner, and so that that sense of relief that there's there's one here in town uh, or one here serving the South Coast and the Cape uh, and people coming over from the islands. It's it's certainly the geographic location has um, been the number one comment that comes in i think as people get you know accustomed to the products that we've been producing here you know that's going to just elevate the um the access for people down here but then we'll probably see some patients coming from outside the region into uh to take a look at the products that we've been growing i'm always fascinated how you know, when you look back, maybe how history will look back at a certain era or something or a topic. And in terms of marijuana and specifically medicinal, uh, how do you think, you know, 50, 60 years, what are our grandkids going to look at us in terms of this, as you said, the, the hurdles everyone has to go through in terms of uh, medicinal marijuana and the theories and the uh, um, misnomers? How do you think history is going to look back on this uh, this moment? 
you know, I, I probably in the same way that we, you know, I, I guess from the medical side, you know, I, I, and again, I just, I know where we're at mm-hmm. and I know well, you know, where the industry is. And I will look back at it in the same way that we look back on prohibition yeah. of alcohol. Um, the, the medical benefits though, I think that we're unpacking now in, in, in really kind of a shotgun manner, you know, because of the federal prohibition, we don't have, um, you know, federal, federally licensed, um, you know, universities or research institutes that have been able to really fully dive in and look at this plant in a way that, mm-hmm. you know, we'd look at other um, medical compounds or therapeutics. Uh, that's where, you know, over the next, you know, I think 10 years, we're going to re- see some real, um, uh, you know, real medical um, solutions coming out of the cannabis plant. Uh, and that's where I think it's it's going to even look sillier yeah. um, prohibition than than just looking at it like uh, we do with alcohol, you know that out you know the, the failed drug war and the fact that you know prohibition doesn't work and it you know only fuels the black market and creates you know uh, unsafe products getting in the hands of anyone, um, you know that simple kind of perspective. Then you look at cannabis in the same way. You know, you see it as a win, but when we start finding cures for cancer or, you know, real beneficial therapeutics for, you know, any number of conditions, things we haven't even thought about um, that's been packed into this amazing plant, that's where it's going to, it's going to look really silly that, you know, we've treated it this way for so long, but, you know, it's part of the process. It's part of the opportunity. You know, this, this industry is a, it's an entrepreneur's dream. I mean, it, it, from a business perspective, you know, there's opportunity everywhere, whether it's whether it's on the drug development side or, you know, or if you want to go out and, um, you know, dress up like a, a green Santa Claus and, and hand out, uh, you know, cannabis cookies or roll a hundred foot long joint. I mean, there's wherever you choose to allocate your uh, um, your your time um, and effort and where whatever excites you, um, you know, there's there's opportunity uh, everywhere. So it's it's. That part is exciting um, to be on, you know, kind of the ground floor of that. Right. Well, Tim, we appreciate you joining us today, and uh, we wish Basque the best of luck as it continues its opening week and uh, into the future. Very good. Let me get my plug in here. So it's come to Um So any registered patients uh, here in the region or certainly outside of the region, I'm sure uh, the podcast is widely spread. We will certainly help <laughs> uh, disseminate it to our audience. And uh, yeah, please. Check out the website. Check out the menu. We're on Weed Maps, um, and uh, yeah, for patients that are certified and registered, please uh, come on over. All right. Well, Tim, once again, thanks so much for joining us. You got it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tim. I'm glad Tim brought up the prohibition alcohol uh, metaphor, simile, whatever, uh, in terms of how this may be viewed in the future. Right. I think yeah, that's something that I've always. I'm always thinking about you know what what we'll be telling our grandkids. What will our grandkids think about when we say, you know, we drove in cars without seatbelts? You know, like our you know right <laughs> right, right like wait what? How does that? Why is that a thing? Or uh, and I just I, I wonder. Or will they think like well, I don't know what will re- the research be found on marijuana that as he was talking about the healing process that they may not know. 
Well, and even, I mean, given the timeline that marijuana has sort of gone through, will it even be completely settled? Um, right. That's a good the, point. In the next 50 years. I mean, we've, we've seen issues drag on for oh, much. I mean, you look at from the, we've, we've been talking about the documentary 13th a lot. You mm-hmm. look from the time the 13th amendment passed until now, and we're still dealing with some of those issues. I think of, we're in a different age. Well, I, I know that we're in a different age, though, in terms of yeah, – I laugh because I – I know exactly where your head went after that. Well, no, no, <laughs> it, I'm not sure you do because we're living in an era right now where you and I – older people are controlling what we believe in. Right. Not necessarily know what we believe, but the timeline of things. That's, that's a better way of saying it, where the younger generation – right. We live in Twitter, we live in instant, we live in things happen now and they should happen now. And I wonder when they, when we when are elected and get into the uh, office of, power, of political yeah. power, yeah. Uh, the reason why that pops up is kind of come full bubble, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> I was doing my interview with Carl Cruz last week right. and I was talking to him about growing up in Massachusetts and never knowing that Frederick Douglass lived in Massachusetts, whether it was New Bedford or Lynn. Right. Until living in New Bedford. And that the how had the education process, how does that happen? And, and, and since I realized this, why aren't there more statues? Why aren't we honoring this great right. man who lived? Like, what's happening? And he said to me, because you're a younger generation, you expect, that's, that's what you've grown up to expect in terms of, well, this is one thing, so we need to have another... You expect right. things to happen because that's what you've grown up with. And I think that's where I think we are in a different age where the younger generation is not going to wait, you know, years and right, right. for this process because that's just not how we live anymore. It's, I want to watch a video. I can see the video now. Right. And see, I thought you went to, uh, I thought you immediately were going to contradict yourself with the Sean King dip. I no, I, I, I was, I was afraid I was going to make old people <laughs> Oh, angry you were, and saying like old people are in charge and we, the bubble has created a new enemy. It's the baby boomer generation. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are no enemies to the bubble. The bubble is, is it has no pointy edges. It has, it just right. floats along and, and listens and discusses. And, <laughs> but I just think that if you look at how a, uh, if you look at how, you know, whether it's a Donald Trump or a Joe Biden or a Bernie Sanders or any, you know, Right. Of that generation, it moves a lot slower. Jeff Sessions. The younger generations, yeah, it doesn't move slow. It's instant now. I talk to you. I call you. It happens now. We can do things right. immediately. I do, You don't have to be in the same spot to see you. You can be in Tokyo. I could right. be here, and we can see each other on the screen and do things. And that's only going to evolve. It's not going to right. change. So I think that's what, where maybe the research and maybe some of the change happens quicker than we're accustomed to that doesn't and we're accustomed to extremely slow so right. that's not saying a whole lot but that's an interesting it's an interesting concept though to see when do you think um marijuana regulation or deregulation in some instances will be one of the first political um not political movements in the sense that it'll be our generation being politicized or getting political but do you think it'll be one of the first things that when our generation gets a strong foothold into political office in America one of the first things soon. That it should of, be soon i yeah i think uh, there's so many i don't right, know right there's yeah. a good number 
because it is yeah i, I want to say if if you had to, if i had to guess i think it's going to be climate change because that is the most pressing need right. in terms of if something doesn't happen it won't matter what it doesn't matter it does, what, any right. other the other stuff that's on the table whether it's gun control marijuana uh abortion any any mass incarceration yeah sure, anything yeah. you want to think of the planet may not be around for it to have those arguments sure. if so to me that would probably be the biggest one just because yeah, if you put we keep putting CO two in the atmosphere, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't right? matter what your prison system's like if there isn't a prison system to be around. Well, and to speak, I think an interesting thing to bring up here too, um, different than climate change. But did you see that San Francisco actually is going to retroactively um, end some of the sentencing for people who are arrested for non nonviolent drug crimes? That's an that's another interesting take. I I'm interested to see um, what happens in regards to as um, federal legislation begins to come in, state legislation, things like that. What we'll see with uh, prisoners who were arrested for these nonviolent drug crimes and they found themselves. The issues are there are not a lack of issues for the younger generation to right our generation, whatever generation, the current generate like any generation that should be interested in right. Yeah, if you guys have opinions on uh, any of that stuff, Mike's DMs are open. So DM they're never Mike. open, but my <laughs> my Twitter. And so I'm always there. I actually, yeah, I went on a uh, a Twitter rant this morning, a small little one. That's but right. At Mike B Bonner SCT. Yeah, and then Check uh, it out. I'm at Penn by Montana. We'd like to hear what your guys' thoughts are on this and uh, anything else we talk about, whether it be uh, rap music or. Uh, marijuana legislation so (laughs) it's wide ranging here at the bubble right mike it is and if you have ideas for podcasts we'd like to hear it too yeah let us know well other than that uh we will see you guys next week for mike bonner i am montana samuels and uh we hope you have us back 